one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and by the time you listen to this, ish, ish, unless you're an early riser on the East Coast, I will be boarding the Disney Wish. Now, this is very exciting because I've had the opportunity to do so many fun things in my career. I am very grateful for all of them and very appreciative for all of them. But one of the things I've never, ever, ever, ever done is go on a brand new cruise ship. I've never done it. I've I've always dreamed of it since they announced that they would be introducing new ships to Disney Cruise Line. I think that was back in 2015 or 2018. I feel like maybe 2018, but I, I've never I've never done it. I've never been on a new ship. I've always I've always been on ships that already existed. Basically, I kind of feel like I'm attending the birth of a ship, like I'm a close personal friend who's visiting uh, their, I don't know, their best friend or their family member in the hospital giving birth, seeing that infant as it comes out. That's what I, that's what I feel like going on the Disney Wish is like. I mean, way, way more attractions than just a baby being born. No offense to humans, but the Aquamouse doesn't exist in the nursing ward. Okay, this comparison is going way too far. But anyway, I am so excited for the Disney Wish. Uh, I, I can't believe it's here, honestly. I haven't been on Disney Cruise Line since well before the pandemic. It has been years since I've been on a Disney cruise ship, writing about a Disney cruise ship, and I'm so excited to kind of see it through new eyes, see a new space through new eyes. It's going to be so much fun, and I'm, I truly can't wait. I truly, truly, truly cannot wait. do musical review at long last reopened last week, bringing all of its fried chicken fun back to Walt Disney World Resort. If you are unfamiliar with Hoopty Doo or even Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort, it's essentially if Frontierland was theme park sized, but instead of attractions, there were just cabins spread out far and wide in the woods. 750 acres of pine and cypress forest, actually, with horses and pony rides too. You really feel like you're somewhere else when you're here, but also kind of like you're taking a step back in time to old Disney, you know, like retro Disney, nostalgia Disney, with a pinch of overnight camp vibes and summer vacation the way it used to be in your memory. And once you're let inside Pioneer Hall, where this nightly show takes place, that all becomes even more true. As a ticketed dinner show, it's really more like an event. Dinner theater, if you will, but with music and crowd participation, where servers are part of the show and guests are invited to become part of the Pioneer Hall players on stage. And then, of course, there's the food. Salad and cornbread are plopped down on the table first, followed by a round of fried chicken, mashed potatoes, cowboy beans, and pecan-smoked barbecue ribs. All you can eat, as many seconds as you'd like, along with unlimited soda, sangria, beer, and wine is the flavor of the evening, followed, of course, by strawberry shortcake for dessert. With props, audience interaction, and so much joyous fun, in my opinion, it's really something to make a night out of. One that's worth taking a break from the harmonious and enchantment and fireworks of it all. Presented three times nightly at 4 p.m., 6.15 p.m., and 8.30 p.m., the show also has seating in three different tiers, with prices ranging from $39 for children all the way up to $74 for adults. 
A big piece of Walt Disney World culture and entertainment is back with its return. It's very cool that this Hootenanny is still running every single day at Walt Disney World, especially after it sat dark for so, so very long during the pandemic. There have been slight changes and improvements made to the show, a bit of story, a bit of lighting, a bit of audio. But one I want to highlight in particular, in case you haven't yet heard about it, is how the food is brought to the table. Now, if you heard me say skillets in the intro and thought, that was weird, they don't, don't they serve it in pails? For some reason, the pails are gone and replaced with skillets. And I know it's the type of thing the Disney community would usually make a fuss over, but you know what? We've made it this far. <laughs> the show is back and continuing its historic run as the longest running show at Walt Disney World Resort. And that is the big story. That's why I'm so thrilled that I was able to speak with Julie Hariznak, the chef here at Hoopty Doo Musical Review, and Tom Vazana, creative director for Disney Live Entertainment, who has participated in Hoop for, well, I think I'll let him tell that story. Now, one thing I feel I should mention before this interview is a bit of a heads up regarding the pandemic of it all. For anyone who has concerns about indoor dining and the spread of COVID-19 and is more cautious with what they tend to do at the parks, specifically indoors, this is a very indoor experience. Additionally, people are moving through the ground floor throughout the duration of the show and diners and performers sometimes mix. So it is different from your standard indoor meal. Whether you return this summer, this year, or even a few years down the road, the main takeaway here is that I encourage you to experience Hoop-dee-doo musical review, but to do so when it works for you and your family. I adore, adore Hoop-dee-doo. I think it's timeless. I think it's classic. I think it's a core offering at Walt Disney World, and I'm pleased as punch that it's back. So now, let's hear more about this incredible show. Julian, Tom, thank you so much for joining me on Very Amusing. Glad to be here. Hoop-de-doo. Hoop-de-doo. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd love to begin by having each of you just kind of tell me your involvement in the show and what you do for the listeners. Uh, we can start with you, Julie. Um, I am the chef for the Hoop-de-doo review. So we have planned the menu, um, bringing back all of our old favorites, such as the fried chicken, the barbecue pork ribs, cowboy beans fresh-baked coleslaw, um, and based on guest feedback, we have brought some new items to the menu. Creamy coleslaw, our um, macaroni and cheese, and then, of course, we have our grand finale strawberry shortcake. Of course. And Tom, I know that I know that your involvement is exceptional, but if you could tell the listeners how you participate in Hoop-dee-doo. Well, I have such an amazing history with Hoop-dee-doo because when I first was with the Disney company, joined in the Wayback Machine, I got to be one of the performers, part of the Pioneer All Players. And uh, what an exciting thing. And you forgot to clap for Strawberry Shortcake. I have to create it. Strawberry <laughs> Shortcake. I just have to do that that way. It's great in my system. So then I became a show director for the show. And then now I'm the creative director uh, for its return uh, and, you know, in fact, I'm in my car and I'm headed to the stage now because today is a really exciting day to bring the show back. And so it's so great to be on your program. So, yeah, I have a long history with the show. And the reason I love it so much is because it is really immersive entertainment. It is like a live, almost Broadway show with great food. Uh, there's nothing like it. There really is nothing like it. And the journey that you've taken through this show, oh my gosh, you've seen it from the beginning all, all the way until now. What what has that experience been like? Because this is one of the core Disney World experiences that really has stood the test of time. And you've seen it in many different angles. 
I have. I've been really lucky, of course, with a large team uh, to see it over the years. And, you know, um, as a creative director in Disney Live Entertainment, we we're always trying to make our shows more accessible and better every time. And just taking a little freshened look at this show uh, really paid off. It is still fun, full of heart, everything you want. And hopefully, it sounds like you're, everything you remember about the show is there. And, you know, I was there last night. Um, and, I mean, uh, last week, last night, I've been there a lot. And it is a great show. It is a rollicking good time. I, I'm just in love with it. Oh, I, you don't know the extent to which I'm a fan of the show. I have a hoop-de-doo section of my closet. There are dresses that I keep specifically for hoop-de-doo. So I, I, I'm probably as excited as you are that this is returning, even though I don't have the same history. Julie, I would love to talk about the menu a bit. So I know you mentioned that some new items were joining it because they were they were fan favorites or they were fan requests. How, how did you know that people wanted mac and cheese and coleslaw and what went into the decision to add them? I'm going back, looking at reviews online and looking at the feedback that Disney collects. Um, macaroni and cheese, even before we closure, we were selling macaroni and cheese upon request. So afterwards, we thought, why not bring it on? We put our um, fresh cornbread topping breadcrumbs on it, too. Little extra fan favorite. And um, the creamy coleslaw, just another another um, request from guests. They wanted the whole barbecue experience. So we said, why not bring it on? I have to confess to you, this truly feels like democracy at work because I used to secretly get macaroni and cheese. That would be my move when I went to Hoopty Doo. I would request it. It was a necessity for me. And I would tell everyone I knew to do it. And now it just arrives automatically, which is such a gift. Yes. So everybody's very excited. We've had great guest feedback about it so far. Oh, my gosh. And with multiple seatings each night and so much food hitting the tables, how do you approach cooking that much food for that many people. Do you, do you know any fun statistics about how much food you're putting out in the kitchen? Or can you at least describe what a typical night is like for you? So a typical night, um, we do about 800 to 1,000 pounds of the barbecued ribs. And so they're smoked fresh daily. Um, my sous chefs do a fantastic job of keeping a schedule down, making sure everything is prepped. Um, the fried chicken, we are frying fresh before every show. Um, yeah, all the product is made right before the show. The cornbread and the um, strawberry shortcake, they're baked fresh daily. So it's a very busy kitchen, a well-coordinated schedule. And I have to ask, what is your favorite item on the menu? The mac and cheese with the cornbread topping. It's delicious. Okay, good to know. Good to know that the mac and cheese is worth chowing down on. Tom, to jump back to you, I mean, this is Disney World's longest running show, and you have such a storied past with it. Can you talk to me about what it's like to be part of that legacy and tradition here at Disney World and how, in a place where things are always changing, why it's so important that this has remained at the resort? Oh, what a great question. Um, It is. I call it one of our gems. And you use the word legacy, and these are both so true. Uh, It is hard for to be part of this. Knowing that we have a place where our guests, family, friends, friends in our family could go and have a good time for this many years means something fantastic. All, it means that there is a universal good quality, good nature in all people to want to come together and watch a great show and have a good time. And also there's something universal about it. Over the years, I have seen Many different people from all over the world come and have the same 
fun at hoop to do um, that everyone has. Uh, it's not just for the United States. I have seen people all over the world come and have a rollicking good time because the characters are timeless and funny is funny and beautiful is beautiful and good natured is good nature. And that's what we stand by. This is a great time for everyone. I completely agree. I think that's what makes it so unique and so special is that it there's really there's nothing like it in this same sense. And you get to really have fun in a group of people that you don't know. You just really get to celebrate the show together. And I think it's so has such a communal aspect and is so nice. Um, in terms of that, uh, we know there are some changes to the script with the show's return to Disney World. And we are discussing before the official debut, before it comes back. But what can you tell us about the changes to this and what that process was, considering this is such a long running famous show? We had the time to really look at the, the show and the script and update some of the scenery. It is popping and beautiful. Um, and if you're a fan, you'll notice some differences. And if you're new to the show, you won't notice a difference. But I'm telling you, it's really beautiful. The colors are so beautiful. We updated all of our lighting. Um, it's magnificent. These are things that we should be always doing. So we took the opportunity to do it. And then in terms of songs during the show, I know you're fans. So you know that after our opening, we have sort of this dinner entertainment section. And we updated those songs to reflect more Disney and also align more with our younger audiences and also try to be a little more international with those songs. So we really looked at the whole show, brought it back to the same level of fun, but we are a little more um, conscious of our entire audience. And I'm really proud of the entire team that did that. Our audio, our tech, our, our uh, art designers, everyone involved has done a beautiful job with bringing this show back. I'm really glad you asked that question. Um, there are some updates. And if you're a fan, you'll notice if you're not a fan, you shouldn't notice a thing. It's amazing. I love that. I love that you've kind of preserved the show as is, but still have carried it into the future so we can keep running and, and be something that all audiences can enjoy. Yeah, it's important to, for a long-running show to maintain that beautiful relationship that they have with the servers and our chefs and the performing cast and the people that seat our guests and the stage managers and the performers. It is not just guests come to a show and sit down the servers are integrated, as you know. They are part of the show. They make it much more immersive that you know your server is going to get a call out from the stage. And then at points of the show, your guests are invited up on stage and you become part of the Pioneer Hall players. It's When we talk about immersive theater, this is a shining example of an original and also one that has a long lifespan. Julie, I have a bit of a wacky question for you. So let's say you're at, you're at Hoop-dee-doo and the food arrives at the table. What does your plate look like? Well, first you're going to sit down. And as soon as you sit down to the table, you're going to have your cornbread with the famous honey butter on it. Oh, I'm that so sorry. I meant what does your personal plate look like? Oh, I want to know you because oh. you are in the kitchen. You're the expert. I want to know what food that you're grabbing from your table to eat first. Um, our salad, our Hoop-dee-doo salad with the specialty vinaigrette. I'm going to have the salad, the ribs, um, the mac and cheese, and then I'm saving room for the strawberry shortcake. You all, I once didn't save room and it was one of the worst experiences of my life because I tried to eat and I was too full. I yes. hope I could take that question too, because I, I got to answer that question. Oh, please tell me, please. Oh, mine is I eat all the salad before anyone else can, because I don't know why salad is just better there at all. And I just, and it, I can't make it at home. For some reason, 
Salad's horrible at home for me. Okay, so salad and then all the ribs. That's it. That's all I'm there for. I'm just, I'm just chow down on the ribs. It's fantastic. And you know what? You can't get them anywhere else. And I'm excited about tonight just for that. Oh man, Julie is nodding her head. (laughs) The ribs, they just fall off the bone. And it's that hoop dressing that makes the salad delicious. Tom, we'll make sure you get some tonight. Yeah, I have a cup and I'll bring out a gallon jug. Okay. (laughs) It has to be a mason jar to fit the theme. Come on. What is your favorite part of the entire show experience? Mine is the Clementine song. The whole song to me, it just, I watched it last night for all three shows and I just loved it. Wow. All three shows. I love watching the guests have a good time. I know that sounds like a real directory thing to say, but really that's part of my job. I love when those washboards come out and watching the families just become part of the band. And then the cast makes the kids train that weaves in and around the floor. That to me transcends the show. We're all in and we're all in the finale. And those moments are priceless and something you can't get anywhere else. Oh my God, you're so right. And I I think, Tom, you might know the answer to this. What's the best scene in the house? I don't have one because everywhere you go, there is a different perspective. So here's what I recommend. You come all the time, check out the balcony, and you have a really great view that is unexpected. Then in the center table, I'm not going to give away the secret. You know what happens there if you're a long time. And then up front, you see the cast in a whole different way. And near the back, you get a bigger view of the entire choreography. So I, I would, here's, but you're asking me a very specific question. I do have an answer. When I go as a director, I always sit off center and at the back. And I'll tell you why. This is for every show. I do not just hoop to do. I get a better perspective to make sure that everything is going just perfectly, that people are on their marks, doing their best. The lighting is right. And that's where I sit. Oh, I love this intel. Thank you so much for this. Could either of you just tell me about what it's been like to reopen Walt Disney World and have this show not be there and have it now finally return? It feels a bit like the resort. I don't want to be hyperbolic with it, but it feels like the resort wasn't really fully open until now, until this show was back. Do you do you agree with that at all? What what has it been like to just kind of wait and wait and wait for it to return? I think for me, uh, it's like a, a piece of the large family of shows and events that are part of the Walt Disney experience finally come back together. And, you know, we're very thoughtful about bringing shows back in the most safe way for not only our guests, but for our performers. So there's an immense joy when small pieces come back two years ago and we do them well and shows that come back and we get them right and shows that come back and we get to make a little change to make it even better and shows that come back to complete the legacy. It is like a puzzle that has a soul. And then the pieces come together, uh, it gets, just gets better and better. And you know, the last piece that I'm waiting for is for the guests to really come back with us. Yeah. Julie, what's it been like for you to just um, to just wait for years? I know you mentioned that uh, it was being used as a meeting space. There was nothing happening in there. And now like Fort Wilderness is just alive multiple times each night with this show. Exactly. Having the entertainers back, it just brings such an energy and excitement to the building. You could see from my culinaries 
to my stewards, everybody's just excited and they love the energy and they love the excitement and having everybody backstage and saying hi and seeing everything that's going on. It just, like Tom said, it's part of the puzzle and it's part of the Fort legacy that's finally back. And we're very excited for that. Incredible. Well, thank you both so much for speaking with me. I'm so excited for the show to be back. Congratulations on its return. And I hope to see it very, very soon. Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer, and it thrills me to no end that because of FrameBridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. FrameBridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. Hello, Carly. Oh my gosh, this is, this is so fun. I just love that you do this. I know that we all do. We all tell you all the time. Um, okay, this question's a little similar. It's in the same vein to a lot of the ones in your last few episodes. I've been listening to them and learning so much about all the food stuff, and I was like, oh, I just need to suck it up and ask my question. So my mom and I want to go on a mother-daughter booty trip. She booked it for us, and she booked it for the end of August, forgetting that she has a really hard time walking in the heat, and she wants to try all the drinks, and she wants to try all the desserts, and all the barbecue and the burgers, and I just, like, I'm getting worried about her because I want her to be able to enjoy it and not get sick. We're specifically doing probably just Epcot and resort hopping, and I was just wondering your, like, best hydrating tips. I know you're a Topo Chico girl, so am I. Disney World needs to get on board, but, like, are those liquid ID packs good? Are there places to get, like, raw, cold veggies? Because I know you're a bean girl, too. These last episodes have been, like, a dream. They've been perfect. So I was just wondering for, like, hydrating in order to enjoy drinks in the middle of August tips. I know, that is a tall order. Uh, thank you for all that you do, all the joy that you bring, all the listeners. I know you're pretty stacked on calls, so don't worry. My trip's not until August. Thank you, Carly. We love you. I am so glad that, as you said, you sucked it up and called me because I strongly believe I am the best person to answer this question. 
Why? Because I am permanently dehydrated. My body is like a raisin. You know how they say that thirst is the first sign of dehydration? I am never not thirsty and I hate drinking water. My body is a desert and I would make a joke about the movie Dune if I had the patience to watch that long film, (laughs) but I don't. But I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Now, a disclaimer at the top, this is not medical advice, please do not sue me, but I am dehydrated sister, and I have surgeon brother, and his doctor tips have gotten me out of a few pickles, including when I eat pickles and then feel so dehydrated that I think I'm going to die, which has happened in every single country that's ever existed that I've visited. Uh, It's a problem. Now, you need to replenish water when you're dehydrated, but you also need to replenish water and electrolytes. And salt is kind of the key ingredient here. Salt will help you retain water. So if your brain is like mine and just goes, oh, I'm thirsty, liquid, 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 you also need to remember salt, salt, salt. So weirdly, yeah, water and popcorn will help you. In terms of drinks, if you are down at the parks and you're like, oh no, we got to get something. Disney is a Coca-Cola joint, so they have Powerade. Gatorade is a Pepsi product, so you really won't find it at Disney World. But there's Powerade all over. And since there's a resort component to your trip, definitely hit up any of those gift shops in each hotel. They all will have Powerade. You know, in the little fridge section where they have like drinks and snacks and stuff? That's where it is. I love Liquid IV personally. Um, I find them really handy and easy to use. I recommend the lemon lime flavor. I've tried all the others and none none are, are good enough where I would recommend them. Go with lemon lime. But be sure to take breaks to drink. Don't do what I do and fill up a water bottle with a Liquid IV and toss it in your bag and forget about it. Make sure to sit down, cool off, and chug a Liquid IV. My brother also recommends this brand called Scratch Labs, uh, spelled S-K-R-A-T-C-H Labs. He says they're delicious, they're high in electrolytes, they're low in sugar, and they come in single packs. And that recommendation is as a person, not as a medical professional. So again, please don't sue me. (laughs) But because this is a food-focused trip and there's an alcoholic beverage component to it, I would do a few things to kind of hedge that aspect of it. You two can always split drinks, especially if the objective here is to try a bunch of different stuff. Ask for an extra cup, and that way you only have half as much alcohol at a time, which can really make a difference if you're out in the boiling hot sun and not getting enough water. Also, that way you can taste more things and every drink is kind of half off, so that's not bad either. I would also have your mom subscribe to the old college rule of one glass of every water for every cocktail. It works, it helps, and it'll keep you both safe. I hope you have the best time. I hope you enjoy all these hydration tips and have so much fun on your trip. So much fun. Hey, Carly, this is Lisa. I was just wondering, I've been to parks a few times, but never with little kids. I'm going in July with my two-year-old and my five-month-old at the time. Just wondering if you knew any experts on um you know, who might know the best spots to nurse, the best rides. Obviously, you know, they can't go any roller coasters, but is anything too scary for a little baby? Appreciate the help. Thanks. Thank you so much for this question, because by receiving it, I realized there are people who are Disney fans who can visit these parks regularly, but between the start of the pandemic and now, they may have had multiple kids. And these are very important questions that I'm thrilled to be able to answer for you. 
Now, I myself don't really know of a go-to person for these type of questions, anyone who uh, is a reporter or an influencer or anything like that online. If anyone does have a suggestion, by the way, like someone who truly has holy grail tips about this stuff, let me know because I would love to know. But I reached out to friend of the podcast, friend in real life, Brooke McDonald, and she gave me the best intel I could possibly give you. Now, her kids are a little older now, but First off, we're going to talk about baby care centers. And everything I'm about to say it comes from Brooke. It is not my knowledge. It is all thanks to Brooke. Thank you very much, Brooke. So Brooke says that baby care centers are your friend. There are clean changing tables, quiet nursing rooms, a place for your other child to sit and cool off. And she recommends knowing where they are in each park and using them. She also stresses, though, that they rarely went to baby care centers as a family. They would split up. Um... It, she recommends having your partner or, or another adult that you're with take the older sibling on a ride to a character meet and greet, something like that, while you are at the baby care center with the infant. Now, Brooke also recommends that a great time to nurse is during rider switch for longer rides. She name checks Flight of Passage, Dinosaur, Test Track, Rise, Tower of Terror, Soarin', basically anything with a long pre-show. And again, these rides may not apply depending on your older child's height, just to flag that, but I wanted to keep the advice general for anyone who is listening who has a younger child and an older child. Brooke's favorite rides for nursing are Spaceship Earth, which seems perfect for nursing, Haunted Mansion, though she mentions the pre-show is a little loud, It's a Small World, Living with the Land, uh, both of those are less private, she stresses, but are fine if you're comfortable with that. She said even Pirates is pretty good if you wait until after the drop. Shows can get a bit noisy, but are also good options, and Brooke name checks Hall of Presidents, Carousel of Progress, and Finding Nemo, which she has been back to and I haven't yet been back to, but she says it should be okay. Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom don't have as many good nursing ride options and the shows can be loud, but she said they're Probably your best bet is going to be the seating area in Backlot Express, which is big, or Docking Bay if you find a booth. Also, um, some shaded ledges in Galaxy's Edge uh, in the area just before the marketplace. Oh, yeah, used to be a relaxation zone. There are also shaded spots all around Animal Kingdom. But if you want AC, you might want to do Baby Center in those two parks. And Brooke stresses this, and I agree with all of these recommendations are for comfort level. You are entitled to nurse wherever you want, wherever you need, without a cover. You be you, feed your baby. Very important. But if you are using a nursing cover, Brooke stresses to make sure you have a really breathable, airy one for Walt Disney World because babies can get overheated under there. And if you're comfortable with it, she recommends trying to wear a shirt that gives you enough coverage to make you comfortable nursing without a cover. Again, all for comfort level. All for comfort level. Nurse how and when and where you need to. Brooke also recommends a stroller with a big, and we're talking all caps, big shade. Uh, apparently, the rental strollers at the parks don't have big enough covers, which why we got to fix that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brooke has always loved a single or double city mini GT. And there are multiple companies. She name checks Kingdom Strollers, which is one of them where you can rent them at Disney World when they make getting and returning strollers super easy. Brooke also recommends a handheld or stroller fan to help keep baby cool while nursing outside, especially if you're using a cover. Thank you so much, Brooke, for all of that intel. I have never experienced any of this myself because I don't have children. Uh, this is incredible to know. I hope this was helpful to you and anyone else listening. Listening, and I hope you have the best trip. Have so much fun. Thank you again to my friend Brooke Geiger McDonald. That's her full name. You can find her at Brooke G McDonald on Instagram or Brooke G McDonald on Twitter. Thank you again, Brooke. Hi, Carly. I have a few questions. The Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is supposed to be hitting Disney Plus later this year. And since Mission Breakout already has a Halloween layover, 
do you think that there is a slight possibility that Mission Breakout will also receive a holiday layover to go hand-in-hand with the special? Next question. If there is an attraction that doesn't have a holiday layover but you think it should at the Disney parks, what is it and how would you design it? And then my follow-up question to that is, is there an attraction that has a holiday layover but you don't like it so you think that they should get rid of it? My hot take is that um, Ghost Galaxy should never come back. It's not my favorite. I don't like it. Um, But I want to know what you think. Love the podcast and I love you. Have a good day. You were right on the money with this one. Your spidey sense was working because I believe the day or the day after you called in on the other coast at Epcot, it was announced that Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind is going to have a holiday overlay. Now, at the time of recording this, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout at Disney California Adventure at Disneyland Resort has not yet announced any sort of holiday plan, but you are absolutely right. Given that they do have a Halloween overlay, I'd say it's pretty likely they do this, and I don't see why they wouldn't, especially considering what the Walt Disney Company is now, considering the synergistic uh, application of this, it only makes sense to have this ride that's already primed and ready for an overlay have a little holiday spirit to tie into the special. Now for your second question, um, I will be very honest with you, as I always am here. I don't think basically any ride should have a holiday in terms of Christmas time, should have a holiday (laughs) overlay. Guardians is the only one that vaguely makes sense for that because I could see how Peter Quill is American and he could be nostalgic for holiday music while living off planet. Like that lines up pretty well to that character. But nearly everything else, I I just need to stress that Yes, Christmas is a commercialized thing at this point and is part of American culture and the holiday and the shopping of it all and the consumerism of it all of Christmas is very different and very uh, separate from the actual religious holiday. But Christmas is a religious holiday and one that not everybody in this country celebrates. And it's something that isn't really talked about a lot, but if there is such a company-wide thought towards inclusion. Personally, I don't think it makes much sense to insert a religious holiday into an attraction. I'm not going to lie. It it makes me uncomfortable. I report on it. So there's really, you know, it's kind of you got to go back and forth between saying these things are happening and like the holidays are fun. And like Christmas music is great. Also, a lot of Christmas music was written by Jewish people. <laughs> like Christmas music is a good time regardless of what holiday you celebrate. But it makes me uncomfortable to look to something like Space Mountain, which at one point had a Christmas overlay, which means that we're inferring that it's the most popular religion in space, that Christianity has reached space by doing a Space Mountain overlay. Again, I could talk about this at length. I probably have before on this podcast, but I don't think that any Christmas overlay (laughs) makes sense in almost every single ride. But the one the one attraction I do like that I think has room for improvement is Guardians of the Galaxy Monsters After Dark, which is their nighttime Halloween version, because frankly, they should just do this ride in some sort of pitch black. It should be just black. It should feel like your eyes are closed, but they're not, and you are just flinging up and down, because how cool would that be? And granted, they can like flash scenes sometimes. Maybe the storyline could be like, oh something happened and the power got cut so things aren't really working and that's why you only see a little bit of light i think that would be cool but then again uh, what do i know <laughs> that's just what i think but i genuinely even though everything i've said i i would i would still think a holiday overlay on 
on Mission Breakout would be very fun. I think it'd be very fun because that actually fits somewhat in the story. I think that'd be fun. I wouldn't hate it, but I do also have. It's tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky for someone like me. I got a lot of thoughts. Uh, I see on one hand why that's super fun and that's not technically people wouldn't consider it religious. But on the other hand, as someone who is outside of that religion, I definitely feel uh, a, a little a little weird about it. I guess that could could have been more eloquent about that, but that's really how I feel. Um, thank you for calling. This was uh, really interesting to unpack this. And yeah, like Christmas music is fun. It's a jam. And I, I welcome it all. I welcome it all. Oh, and I love the Nightmare Before Christmas overlay on Haunted Mansion. I think that's exceptional and I love it every year. Okay, thanks for calling. That's our show! Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to Julie and Tom for coming on and talking about Hoop-dee-doo Review. Oh, Hoop-dee-doo. Please rate, review, and follow Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts or rate and follow us on Spotify. It is very appreciated. It's one of the main ways that people find out about the show. So please, 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 if you have the time, even if you're listening to this while you're listening, if you're not driving, be safe. I mean, safety above all. But if you have your hands free, then just give us some stars or write us a little review like, this is my favorite episode. Or like, uh, how does her voice go so high? I don't really don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I guess it's, I sang a lot in high school. I was in theater. So maybe, maybe that's why it also explains a lot about my personality. But a very special thank you to... Grady Pancake for your review. Is that? Oh, no, that we already talked. No, we already did Grady Pancake and Mem Brian. We already thanked them before, I believe. Thank you to Shelly, who left us a recent review, who said, this podcast is a source of joy. Thank you so much, Shelly, with a lot of L's and a lot of Y's. I really appreciate it. You can give us a call at 747-TRUES and we will play your voicemail, hopefully, and respond to it if we can figure out the answer. You can also send us a voice note to 747-TRUES. You can just text it. Uh, There's a little text feature. I've maybe low-key been chatting with some people on there. It's been really fun. Or you can email it to 747-TRUES at gmail.com. If you want to wear your love for very amusing on your clothes or just let strangers know that you're probably in a good mood and want to chit-chat... We've got merch that says Very Amusing and lots of other cool things. You can find it all at very-amusing.com. We recently restocked, so we got stuff. We got tees. We got sweatshirts. We got, what else? We got hats. uh, We got beanies. And soon we will also have kids tees. So keep an eye out for that. We're doing infant, toddler, kids. So whatever age, we got it. We got it all. Or if they're just, I don't know, a smaller adult, we got that too. You can follow me at Carly Wiesel on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can join the family at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. This episode was edited tortuously by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, sweetie. It's me. It's mom. Um, I just want to say when you say something great is coming in July, I know it's going to be amazing. And no, I know it's not going to be me. Unfortunately, it's not going to be me. That's not the great thing that's coming. But I'm very excited for it anyway. But I have to say you're really, really, really good. I could not talk for 45 minutes straight and still be entertaining. So kudos to you, honey. Um, I agree with you with planning on going to Disneyland or Disney World. I am not a 7 a.m. wake-up girl. It's so stressful. That's why I go with you because I know if I just have to show up, you do everything. It is awesome. You tell me where to go. You tell me when I have to run to catch something, when to eat. Your itineraries are the best. 
you did mention off-country buffet. Yes, that is a staple in the Weisel household. Too bad they're all gone. But at three years old, as soon as we sat down, you'd get up, you'd run straight to the root beer soda fountain, same as now. You would fill up a gigantic glass, but you'd say you're smart enough to save enough room. Then you'd run to the yogurt station or ice cream station, and you'd pour the vanilla ice cream in there and get a straw and a spoon, and you'd make yourself a root beer float every single time. You are so adorable. A uh, little side thing to the lady that pooped, who got pooped on. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, it is very good luck. I used to get pooped on a lot. It is a whole thing. It is a very, very, very good luck. And if you get the clip, share it with me. All right. I am very excited. This is why I'm talking so happy that I see you in a week. We are going to set sail. I am so excited to get out of my house, first of all, but I'm so excited to be with you. I love you so much. I cannot wait to see you. Bags are packed. I'm at 50 pounds on the big one and two big heavy carry-ons. I am ready to go, and I'm ready for anything. I love you. I love you. I love you. I will see you next week. Bye.